0: Welcome to Washington. <laughs> so, go, to, go in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. i got a good word for you tonight. And you can see the title up on the screen. In Search of the Thirteenth Disciple. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I got 30
1: minutes.
0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start in verse 26, why not? And if one member suffers, it's talking about a church, a local church, people like you. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's what that wedding was. It was beautiful. My favorite part was seeing Sister Crystal with an air guitar. That was. But I rejoiced with, with her. And honestly, that's one of my favorite white snake songs of all time. You can tell we were the same age. I was like, oh yeah, music. Come on. White snake. It's good. Now you, this is talking to you. You say me. me. You are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, and then gifts of healings. Not gifts of healings, he's talking about people. He's talking about people. A human being, a person with a name who walks around like you and me. And they're a gift of healing. Because they have a special grace to pray for the sick and people get healed. He's talking about people. Sometimes people, we read this and we're thinking it's an anointing. Well, it is an anointing, but he's talking about the human being carrying that anointing. So this is describing to us a local church. The people that come to church that sit down in the room. We are all a part of the body of Christ. If you've repented and been saved, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord, you've turned from sin, then you're instantly born into this kingdom. You're part of the body of Christ. When one member suffers, we all feel it together. We love each other. When somebody's celebrating, we go celebrate with them. When they have a wedding, we go to the wedding and we cheer for them. It's wonderful. So you're the body of Christ, verse 27, but you're members individually. And this is the point. Your members individually means everyone's different. We're all, we got something in common. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all loved equally, but we're all very different in function. My wife and I are loved exactly the same by Jesus. He loves me the same as he loves her. He loves you the exact same amount that he loves me. But she can't open a pickle jar. And I can, so we're different. I'm stronger than her. I have different abilities than she has. I cannot breastfeed children. There are only two genders, Washington. Somebody needed to tell you that, right? And God has appointed these in his church now, he's going to talk about certain limited kinds of people. These people are in the church, but everybody is not with this grace. Not everybody can open a pickle jar, right? I'm moving my pulpit. <laughs> God has appointed these in First, there are these people that have a grace to be an apostle. Secondly, there are people, and they're called prophets, they have a different gift. And thirdly, teachers, and they teach. After that, miracles. And it's talking about people again. People, their gift is they bring, there's just miracles in their life. They bring miracles. Wonderful, rare. I wish everybody was a miracle gift. That would be something. But then, if everything was a miracle all the time, it wouldn't be a miracle anymore. It would just be common. We would call that normal. What would a miracle be if miracles were normal? Right? Right? Then gifts of healings. So there's a difference between miracles and gifts of healings. That's important. Say this. Helps. 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 There are people in the congregation and their gift, their supernatural grace is to help. To help. Somebody help. Washington needs help. And then administrations, there are people, they're a gift. They are an administration walking on two feet. Yeah. They're organized, check marks, they make lists, they know how to organize stuff. You can't figure out how to get your garage straight, they'll organize your garage. They're administrators. That's their grace. There's varieties of tongues, it says. Are all apostles? This is a rhetorical question. Answer is no. Because he just told us a few verses earlier, we're all members in particular. We're all unique and we're all different. So the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Most of us are trying to find somebody that has it. <laughs> Help me. Right? Do all speak with tongues and interpret? This is talking about the public exercise where someone has a word in an unknown spiritual language and then someone gets the interpretation of the language you understand so that you know what heaven is saying to the local church. Yeah, Does everybody do that? No. There's a different kind of tongues and that's where you're praying in an unknown language that you don't understand to God and he's getting the message. This is talking about God speaking through someone down here so you will get a message. Does everybody do that? No. Hmm. But earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I'll show you a more excellent way it says. God has set some in the church. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to explore this because There's two things that you need to know that'll help you in a local church like this. The church is getting stronger and and healthier and more powerful. And you have, this is the first thing you need to know, inside this congregation, you have everything that you need and every solution that the society around you, all those neighborhoods, all those houses going that way and this way, up and down the street, the poor girls being exploited at that coffee shop next door. You have every solution to every problem in the society. Just by the different kinds of unique graces already put inside every one of you. You have the answer to every problem. It's an amazing thing. A local church is amazing. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. But there are some people that are really rare. Let's go to Ephesians. I uh, had to borrow a Bible because they stopped putting them in hotels. Right? I used to just use the Bible in the hotel so I don't have to cart it around. They keep lowering the the weight of your luggage that you can have. It's like my my suitcase weighs 40 pounds empty. That's the limit. This is like this is like a scam. Like I have to pay because you lowered the weight to the weight of an empty suitcase. Thanks. I have the solution for those problems. It's inside me. <laughs> it's not listed here, but it's called common sense. I don't know. <laughs> Ephesians. Is my 30 minutes up yet? <laughs> Man, I borrowed this Bible, and it's like they moved all the books or something. <laughs> it says, Yours. What in the world? Where'd Ephesians go? Okay. Bible in the state of Washington. Okay, I got to Galatians. I'm still going. I'm going. Ephesians is hiding. Here it is. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this. I'm going to ask you a question because we're looking for the 13th disciple. Right? Right? Why? Because of Judas. He betrayed the Lord. We got to get somebody to replace him. And you thought that just happened one time, but I think there's an allegory in the story. I think there's an allegory in the story. And when Jesus instituted the communion table, they took the bread and the wine. It's the end of the Passover meal is what it is. The Passover meal was adopted uh, in something beautiful added at the end of it that's what communion is and if you read the text of the communion where Jesus says take this and remember this is my body what was broken for you and and this is my blood that was shed for the remission of of sins Um, the atmosphere during communion was everyone looking inwardly with Jesus saying you're going to betray me one of you is going to betray me And so in my church, every time we take communion, we ask ourselves, is it I? Am I the next one to turn against the pastor? Am I the next one to turn against God and to go cause trouble and divisions? Is it I? Is it I? Every time we have communion, what is communion? With unity. Here we are all joined together. All of us are unique. Jesus put us here. We have special graces to do special missions. When we're together, we're much, much, much stronger. When we're isolated and by ourselves, we can do almost nothing alone. Because we're made to be together. And so communion is the celebration of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, to take all of us individual people, peppered and salted all over the world, and then go, and make one thing out of us. But we should never forget that there is always the potential Someone among us is the next Judas. And the Spirit of God, I'm I'm being metaphorical, give me a little bit of flexibility. I want to say that the Spirit of God is always looking for the 13th disciple, somebody to replace Judas. There, There wasn't just one Judas. There's a spirit that got Judas to do that, and that spirit's still here. And it's still working in people. People are still turning against the disciples that they were eating with, that they were fellowshipping with. They were celebrating when they celebrated. They were weeping when they wept. But then all of a sudden, they just become evil. They flip, they turn into someone else, and they go crazy. They said they loved you, now they hate your guts. And they're ripping you on Facebook every time you turn around. Am I just describing something unique to me? No, no this happens everywhere. Why? Because the same spirit that got in Judas is still working. And I'm telling you right now, everyone just say it Is it I? Everywhere I go, every time I have communion, we, we walk through this. Everybody sit in the room and think about, God Join me with these people sitting next to me. Yes. Am I going to be the next one that goes tutti-frutti on everybody? Yeah. 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 You should never forget that the devil's always going after your thinking. He's always trying to get you to get offended over something dumb. Yes. He wants you to be the one that goes missing. Right. And then God's got to come into a local church and we got to find a 13th disciple now to replace the guy that left. He was running the nursery. Now he's gone. He was driving the bus. Now he's gone. He used to run our sound. Now he's gone. Right. Who's going to take their spot? They used to sing on the stage. Now they're gone. Used to play that instrument. Where'd they go? Put their face on a milk carton. Get it out there. Someone find them. What happened? Come on. It's just church life. Yes, yes. And you know, we forget that. We yeah. we wanna focus we wanna focus exclusively in communion about Jesus. Obviously it's mostly about him, but don't forget what happened at the first communion. Yeah and that he wants his blood to mean something yes. and his broken body to make us one yes. is because Satan wants to make us not one. Yes. Satan wants to tear us apart. Yes. Jesus wants to hold us together. Yes. So when you have communion, remember I told you that. Yes. We always say, is it I? Yes. Is it I? Satan wants to tear me apart. I've got to stay connected to these people. God put me here in this church. These are my family now. We're all different, we're all unique, but we've got a purpose here together. And it's powerful when we stay together, right? And your government wants to tear you apart, tell you to stay home. Everybody's ripping at you, your your family calls. When are you going to leave that church? Yeah. Right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself, who Jesus, this is after Jesus dies, he's buried, he's resurrected, he ascends into heaven, sits down on his throne. He is a king. And what's the first thing our king does? And he himself gave some, say some. Some. Some, That means very few to be apostles. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for everybody's blessing. Until when? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. That means mature, absolute adult maturity in God spiritually. To the measure and stature of how mature is, mature is Jesus Christ himself when he walked the earth. The fullness of Christ. That why? We should no longer be children. Immature. Tossed to and fro. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. Or the trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things. Into him who is the head. Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies, which is blood, if you're thinking of the human body. Blood is flowing joint to joint, muscle to muscle, vein to vein, artery to vein, and pumped back into the heart, recirculating. It keeps us alive. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so he gave some, some. These are rare kinds of men. They're preachers. There's five different kinds of preachers. Everyone in the room is not a preacher. There's usually one primary preacher in every local church, one. He's called pastor. And sometimes he's apostolic. Sometimes he's prophetic. Sometimes his wife is prophetic. Uh, Sometimes he's gifted as a teacher. And sometimes he's just one gift primarily, and not the other four. There's some men that seem to dabble in all the gifts, and that they're usually apostles. And, and there are prophets, and prophets don't always make the greatest pastors because they are, you know, kind of barking orders and, <laughs> and and correcting everything. But but we need every gift. We need we need every gift. You cannot be a strong church if you don't have all the gifts that Jesus gave as king to make the church completely mature. That's the implicit message here. So if you don't have any prophets ever in your church or any real apostles or any true evangelists, if it's just a pastor and that's it, then there's going to be a level of immaturity. You're stuck. You can't grow. You can't get stronger. And so it's important to expose every congregation to all five of these different kinds of gifts so that they can become fully strong and fully mature because that's the whole point. Right? That's why, this, that's why the church is here, so that we'll fulfill everything we're supposed to fulfill. And so you need the preachers. And I'm here to tell you the preachers need you. We need you to not be Judas. <laughs> we need you to have the answer to the question is it I? No, no. When we take communion. How often do you take communion in your church, and your tradition? Once a month? Yeah, that's beautiful. Just remember, remember, every time you take communion, this is about us being joined together by Jesus. So let's always ask, is it I? Lord, don't let it ever be me. Protect me from that thinking, from that behavior. You've seen it happen to your friends. You know what ends, how it ends. It's never good. Ten years goes by, you think, My goodness, look at the mess. Look at the look at the wreckage. But in addition to the teaching and preaching gifts, there are governments and diversities of tongues and helps and governments are supportive roles. Administration's a supportive role. Say this, I'm a helper. I learned something in Bible college. Um, One of our professors said this one day. He he said he had been a pastor before he became a professor in the school, and they just needed some things in the local church. And I don't remember what it was. It's something like, I just need somebody to vacuum the floor on, on Sunday afternoon. Something like that. And, you know, they were Pentecostal, charismatic, so everybody was really, ooh, and, and, and he had done that. See, he, he had taught them of being led by the Holy Spirit, and praying in tongues always, and he had taught them that, but he had forgot to teach some other things, and so it came back to bite him. Because every time he would go to somebody and ask the, the members of his church that were under his teaching... Uh, hey, would you be available on Sunday after church? We need somebody that would just run the vacuum across the floor, clean it up before we get back. And they'd say, I'll pray about that. <laughs>
1: uh, I,
0: I'll pray about that, Pastor. <laughs> and after he asked about five people, and they all said, Well, I'll, I'll pray about that. And so he went back to the first person and said, Well, they've had time to pray now. So have you? Uh, what have you come up with about vacuuming the floor? And they said, I just don't feel led. I just don't. <laughs> so that's why you got to have more than just a teacher in a church you know so he finally got he got mad and he and he finally he got to like the fifth person they were all kind of being super spiritual about vacuuming the floor he said it's the lord's house someone vacuum the carpet everybody's so spiritual finally he he took a pencil He just got kind of, you know, pastors, we get mad sometimes. He took a pencil after somebody said, Well, I've prayed about it. I just don't feel lead. He broke the pencil. He goes, Feel the lead inside this pencil. (laughs) Somebody's got to vacuum this floor. Let's get on it. (laughs) Say, Helps. Somebody help me. The carpet's dirty, right? And. My professor said this. I never forgot it. I'm going to have you say it tonight. I hope you never forget it. Say this with me. If it's good enough for the Holy Spirit. If it's good enough for the third person of the Trinity. If it's good enough for a member of the Godhead. It's It's a good enough ministry for me. me. Helps. 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 The Holy Spirit is called the what? Helper helper ministry of helps somebody help everybody can't be the preacher somebody's got to help and it's a it's a special gift it is it's a grace people come in have you ever met those people that don't have the grace to help but they want to yeah <laughs> Please know what grace you have. I'll paint. I'll paint the wall for you. You ever had them paint? What in the world happened when you got to the edge? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'll mow. I love to mow grass. All your flowers are gone. Looks like Edward Scissorhands had a cocaine addiction and went crazy all over the place. Your bushes are messed up. Those are the people that want to help, but they don't have the gift to help. Please have the gift. But it's a good gift. And, and God is smart. He's so smart. And here's what He does in every local church. God's brilliant. He usually just gives a grace to preach to a couple people, and He gives a grace to help to lots of the people. That's the way it is. Because then there's all all this help. Because there's all these things that have to get done. And if it's good enough for the Holy Spirit, it's good enough for little old me. I'm just imperfect. And he's magnificent, but he helps. So I can help. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be helpful. So I want to ask you a question. And I want to go to Matthew 25. I'm going to give you what's called the Jesus rule. Matthew chapter 25. When you read the Bible and you see Jesus went and he picked 12 disciples. He picked them. I mean, he physically came down here on this planet and he went hunting for the 12 disciples that had changed the world. And he picked some really goofed up people. And he had to transform them. He only had three and a half years from being cussing, rough, shallow thinking, most of them fishermen. I mean, just like I'm going to start a church, I'm going to go find some roofers that'll be my, my team. Where's a pirate ship? I need to find a pirate. I need some men with patches over their eyes that swear all the time. I'm going to change the world, you know. That's what he did. He took people that were not educated, rough, shallow. You see the habits come out under pressure. What did Peter do? He had to turn them into apostles. How did that happen? (laughs) How did he do that? This is an important question for every pastor. Because... That's what we do. We, we find people that Jesus wants us to help. And we got to turn them into what Jesus wants them to be instead of what the devil wanted them to be. It is not easy to do it. In fact, it's impossible without God. And so here's what happens. I want you to think about this. What if... You had been picked by Jesus, hand-picked. He selected you, and you know he wants 12, and then somebody betrays him. Jesus is gone. And you know, Jesus said he wanted 12. We have to pick someone now. And Jesus isn't going to come back and do it for us. This is very symbolic of how God would, for the rest of the era, choose disciples, specifically how he would choose preachers. Jesus isn't going to come down and pick the next preacher when we're too old to go anymore. So men of God have to do it, and there's a way to do it. And so there's always a hunt going on for the proverbial 13th apostle, 13th disciple. And there's a principle here. But how did Jesus get these people to go from that to the, to the other? Look at Matthew 25 and verse 21. Because here's the thing. You're all so special and you're so unique and you have these graces. And the fact that you go to this church, your grace helps everybody in the room because it's it's a part we need. I, I needed two eyes, not one. You know, we got to have two eyes. We need two ears. That's good to have two ears. Yeah. Pastor Christian only has one kidney now, Because yeah. he gave one to someone else. Yeah. Right? That's help. Yeah. Yeah. That was helpful. Yeah. So we love each other. We take care of each other. He was making a joke. He was going to try to get. He was going to raise money to a fundraiser and fight this guy in my church that does martial arts. And I said, No! <laughs> kidney punch and you're done, man. It's over. <laughs> you're done. We're not we're not fighting with my staff, Pastor Christian. <laughs> Somebody needs to rein that man in. He wants to have a fundraiser. Wow. <laughs> Only Pastor Christian. Let's have like an, F, what he calls, MMA. A, a MMA fight and raise money for the church, for the gospel. And I'll fight, I'll fight. <laughs> He's like a Klingon, you know. <laughs> Blah! (laughs) Matthew 25. What's wrong with me? I Get to this first. Matthew 25. (laughs) It's Christian's fault. (laughs) His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of... Of your Lord. The answer to what happened and how cussing, rough, probably not the brightest fishermen became magnificent, world shaking, philosophical geniuses is right here. And this is the goal, right? What is the church here for? We want everyone to hear these words. This is what Jesus says happens when you get to heaven. The Father looks at every single one of us, and this is what we're hoping He says. Because Jesus said He's going to say, two, There's two options you're going to hear. One, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Or, there's the other one. This is the one I want. I don't know about you. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, listen. You served. Now I'm going to make you a ruler. You were ruled. You were being ruled. And you were good. You were faithful. You were good at obeying. You were good at following and serving. Now I'm going to make you the king. I'm going to make you a king. And you're going to give the orders. And I'm going to give you power and authority over many things. Because you were good and you were faithful, yes. and you helped, yeah. Yeah. served. Yes. I, I know this is really deep theology, but hear me out. The only way you're going to hear God say, well done, good, faithful servant. Yeah. Enter into the joy I've prepared for you, is if you did well, you were good. You were faithful yeah. and you served. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, he would be lying and God can't lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is how important it is to be helpful. Yes. Because service is a gift. Yes. Helping is a gift. And if it's good enough for the Holy Spirit, That's right. it's good enough for me. Yes. So how did Jesus get those fishermen to become extraordinary men Whose very words, written down on pages, would transform hearts and minds for thousands of years. He taught them how to be good. He taught them how to be faithful and to serve. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. and I'm going to end. I know it's about probably time, isn't it? Judas is dead. They have to choose somebody. On what criteria? It's never been done before. Jesus started this. He handpicked them, but now they have to go pick someone. What did they learn from being with Jesus for three and a half years? How did they cobble together a plan that was right and so anointed that it got into the canon of Scripture? So we learn from it on how to choose the next preacher. Somebody went hey, well, we've got to replace them. Because this is still happening. It's still happening. Preachers die. God raises up a new generation and he says, I want him. I want her. And he sets them and he sends them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But it also happens in every local church among those who help because helping is important. We lose helpers because helpers. Judas was a helper, wasn't he? So this is where this is where you get transformed from the old you to the new you and this is how this works, okay? So there's this miracle. It's an amazing miracle. There's 5,000 men, which means up to 20,000 people. Jews had big families. They were like Gordons, lots of children. <laughs> and these people are hungry. And they have one boy with five loaves and two fishes. This is an amazing miracle. And I just want you to catch this. So Jesus works an amazing miracle. And somehow or another, he takes this little fish sandwich and he multiplies it in front of the disciples who are saying, how are we going to feed people with that? Then he does this miracle and he makes fish and bread. And there's so much of it, he hands it to them, says, give it to the people. And they're giving it to the people. And they're giving it to the people. And they're giving it to the people. you got to be, what are they thinking as yeah. they're carrying? Yeah. Yeah. How does he do this? And they're handing out the food. And then at the end of it, you know, they're all just wowed. The disciples have got to be blown away. Like, this defies reality. This can't happen. How is he doing this? He's creating fish. I'm hoping it was cooked. I think it was cooked. <laughs> at the end of the miracle, you can just imagine, can't you? The disciples are thinking... Amazing. He made food. 25,000 people are eating and then Jesus says this, "I'm glad you like the miracle. Now go clean up the mess." Yeah. It actually happened. Go pick up. Yeah. Don't leave it. Why? We don't want the neighborhood to complain. Yeah, Jesus was here. Look at the mess everywhere. Smelly rotting fish and chunks of bread laying all over our nice park area. <laughs> Say help. help! How did how did Jesus transform people into somebody from being a nobody? He taught them to do the vacuuming in the foyer. That's what he taught them. Go, I'm, it was wonderful miracle, boys. Now we got a lot lot of basket loads of trash. We got to collect the garbage. We don't want that stinky fish laying there. And then they're going to associate our ministry with the smell of rotting fish. Not good. Not good public relations. Let's go clean up our mess. And they brought so much left over. It was how many baskets full? Twelve big baskets full of what? Trash. Trash. Say helps. If it's good enough for the Holy Spirit. It's good enough for me. How did they choose? What was the criteria? Judas is gone. How does God still make great people out of nothing? How does he choose the next Billy Graham? The next preacher whose voice will make a difference and convict people of their sin. How does he decide who he's going to give a gift of healing to? Or he wants to use vocally with a, with a utterance of divine tongues and interpretation. How does God choose? How does He pick? I want to show you a principle, because here's the thing: I don't know what God's called you to finally become. I know I can see the teenagers in here. I know everybody in here has not reached full maturity in Christ. You know, your bodies might be completely mature. Some of you are like me, or wish you could back up the clock about you know 20 years or so. But you're not fully mature spiritually yet. So what is it that God wants you to become? That's interesting. I want you to get there. And I know your pastor does too. And by the way, I think you have probably some of the greatest pastors in America. They are wonderful. You're so fortunate to be in this church. You are. I call it the Jesus rule. Well done. This is what we all want to hear. Well done. Good, faithful servant. So I have to be good. I have to be faithful. And I need to serve others. So that he can say it. Right? And so he gives us opportunities in something called a church. Where we can learn to be good and learn to be faithful and serve someone besides ourselves. Who are you serving before you met Jesus and got into a church? Yourself and the devil. You served yourself and the devil. And if you're serving yourself, most of the time, you are serving the devil. But if you're serving others, most of the time, you're serving the Lord. It's wonderful how that works. Say the word "Service." service. Help. It's a gift. It's listed as a special gift in the local church. Go to Acts chapter 1. I just want to show you this, and then we'll be done. How long have I gone? Am I I doing okay? I have no idea. I don't see the time. I am above time. I feel no time. I am an eternal man. (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. It's hot in here. Whoo! Yeah. Amen. Somebody help. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. Say 120 people. Right. Peter's standing up in front of 120 people, about this size of group right here. And he said, men and brethren, the scripture has to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of his iniquity. That's the 30 pieces of silver that he used to betray Jesus. He went and bought land with it. People are still doing that. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all of his entrails gushed out. He committed suicide after he bought his land. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Now pause. Here's what's happening. 120 people, 120 people. Peter, the new man, Transformed is reading the ancient psalms and sees the prophecy that speaks to him on how to choose the next disciple and he reads it out loud it is written in the book of psalms let this dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his bishopric which is the office of bishop judas Called by Christ to stand as a bishop in the church. And he lost the bishopric or the office. And now another is called to take his place. Prophesied in the Old Testament about that very moment. How is God going to do this? Jesus picked the twelve himself. Jesus is gone. And now they have to pick someone. And this is how God to this day ordains true preachers. We have to pick them following the principles that are found right here. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day he was taken up from us, one of those must become a witness with us of his resurrection. I want you to see this right now. What is the criteria that God is looking at? first and foremost to even make the first round of consideration to be promoted in the body of Christ faithful Faithful. they were with us from the beginning of his ministry until he left the planet find the people who stayed with us from the beginning of our church to our 40th anniversary where are you going to find the next person where does God look why did they do that they learned this from God They learned that principle from God, and it's a principle we should implement in our own lives. So I want to ask you to do something. How old is this church now? 18, 19? 20 next year. 20 next year, so 19 years old. If you've been in this church for 19 years, stand up. Anybody? (laughs) Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Follow them, good, faithful servant. How many are missing? Listen to me. Every time you take communion, is it I? Is it I? How many of your friends did you lose? You know what they didn't do? They never asked the question, is it I? Here's the good news. God reached down and he replaced them. And that's you. You're the replacement. You're the person he picked. Don't ever become Judas. Judas. Think of how dumb that is. We read about Judas. Jesus picked him. And look what he did. Jesus picked you. He picked you. Don't do the same thing Judas did. Somebody say amen. amen. This is the criteria of the Bible. Peter says the Bible says we've got to replace Judas. Where do we start looking? The people who have been good, faithful. Servants yes. This group, how many? 120 people They've been with Jesus They were with Jesus, they never left him They never wavered, they were faithful They were always there This is where we've got to look It makes biblical sense That's where you look yes. And then look, they narrowed it down And they, they they said of all these people Good people, faithful people, serving people There's two that rise to the top Look at what they do And they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. This is such an important thing. They could only go so far in their human capacity in choosing who should be the preacher, who should be the bishop in the bishopric office. And they know that. Pastors have to know that. We can only go so far. You, you must look at the natural. You must say, are they good? Have they been faithful? Have they served? Have they been all the way? Is their tenure a long time? Faithfulness is something that is tested across time. You can't say, well, I've been here for a month. Where's my church? Right? Right? Faithfulness can't be determined without a long passage of time. So they said, who's been with us for a long time? And so they get all the way. They know it's got to be one of these two. It's just we can feel it. But let's, let's ask the Lord. Because ultimately in every true ordination, God chooses. But he chooses through authority. He's still choosing through the authority of the existing preachers are looking for the next generation of preachers. They must be ordained and accepted by men. But the men cannot make the final decision. They have to lean on the Holy Spirit to finally speak. And that's what they did. Said, Lord, you know what's inside them. We can only see the outside. And what is on the outside is just precious. These two men, wow. But we can't see inside both of them. We need you now. Speak to us. And he did. The Holy Spirit came and said, I want that one. Now, if you were to ask me, why didn't he pick the the other guy? Well, here's my, this is what I wonder about. Sometimes when we're serving and being helpful, we're good, we're faithful, and we're serving. But sometimes, I think, we serve with a bad attitude. And other people can't necessarily always see it. How come I got a vacuum? carpet in this church. These people on their dirty feet. (laughs) You got to watch the inside of you. Because some of you think I've done all these things. And you point to all the external things that you've done your whole life. How come God's not promoting me? That's why. Your attitude. Because he can see inside you. Uh Amen. Say this with me. If it's good enough for the Holy Spirit. It's good enough for me. So I'm going to be helpful say I'm going to serve I'm going to be good I'm going to be faithful we're in search of the 13th disciple tonight God is looking for somebody to promote he's looking for the next generation he's got a huge plan for the whole world he's going to rule it he's going to come back here he's going to set his foot down as the king with a scepter people are going to come from all over the world to look at him and hear his thunderous voice and I'll I'll leave you with this thought. It's one of my favorite lines in um, that old series uh, about Aslan. You know that movie. was that movie called? With the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the movie, in the book, there's this moment when they're going to go meet Aslan, who's the great lion of Judah. It's Christ, Jesus. And she asks this question. And they describe Aslan, the lion, this mighty, roaring, powerful, dangerous animal. And she asked this question Oh my goodness, is he safe? And the answer is, Oh dear, no. The lion, Aslan, is not safe, but he's good. Why is he? He has teeth. For biting, He has claws for tearing. The issue is, are you right? And I want to tell you, God is not safe, but he's good. You're in grave danger if you haven't repented. He will throw you in hell. He's not safe, but he's good. And he commands you to be good. If you're good, he will never throw you in hell. He'll love you. He'll protect you. He'll use his might and strength and power to destroy your enemies and to keep you safe from the bad. But if you are bad, oh, he's not safe for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be helpful. Say it. I'm going to be good. Good. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to serve my church. Amen. Pastor Matt.
1: I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel tonight if you just close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're not a Christian tonight you'd like to become what I'd like to invite you to give your life to Jesus today. If you've never given your life to Jesus you'd like to become a Christian tonight. You want to turn from your sins and find new life in Christ. If you've never done that before we want to pray with you. Would you just raise your hand right now and say that's me. I want to become a Christian. So anybody that needs to make that declaration tonight. that if Jesus came home tonight, came to earth tonight and took his faith home and you'd say, To this nation and I'll tell you as a, as a guy that my whole entire life I've always been misunderstood I've always been attacked I've always had people misconstrue my passion as something different than what it is I know your heart and you love Jesus and you love his church and you love people and what I want to encourage you in is that do not let those people that don't know you keep you from being who you are Because the people that do know you, I've I've been in your home. I've been with your family. I've had your kids away from you and taken them on road trips. And I know your character. You're a man of character. And so don't let those mealy-mouthed people stop you from doing the work, the individual work that God has called you to. Because in the way that you've stood with us as a church for the mission that we have, we stand with you for the mission that you have. God's going to continue to use you in big and mighty ways. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you guys so much for coming tonight. A little bit late tonight, but that's okay unless you're a child worker. If you're a child worker, they're pulling their hair out. Those of you with kids are like, keep going. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message? Because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video. And we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.